Am I in this? Hmm. Sure. (laughs) We had some feedback from podcast watchers that they didn't want you on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, I am in it. Hmm. These hot chocolates look really bleak. We've got hot chocolates. They look really bleak because there wasn't enough milk because there's used it all. So it's just water and powder. (laughs) Anyway, welcome to this week. We thought... um, this week we're gonna we we wanted to focus on something for kind of any of you leading a team. So mm. anyone who's in a team leader or on the journey towards like on an emerging leadership path, I guess. Mm. We wanted to put a couple yeah. of episodes together that would speak to yeah. those of you who are in those more senior positions or or looking at mm. people management. And this week we thought we would cover um, a fun topic. Yeah, <laughs> managing a toxic top performer i.e high performer who brings in high volume of billings makes a shitload of placements and is a really bad or is really bad for your culture Mm. how do you manage that and you know we see so many agencies letting behavior slide Mm. because billings are just put on the pedestal and guys whoever's listening to this when I started my own agency a few years ago, it was focused on rec to rec. And I would say in the first two years, I probably interviewed and spoke to, I'd say, well over 2,000 recruiters. This is a huge problem in our industry. A lot of those people were looking because of behaviour within that organisation was let to slide mm. because someone was a big performer. And there's a huge opportunity cost to your business if you let that slide. Yeah. And it's sort of that short-term versus long-term thinking um, of going, well, we can't let them go because they bring in a million dollars. I'm like, cool, that's fine. But what's the opportunity cost to your business? Because no one really wants to work there. How many people have you lost as a result? How much billings have you lost as a result of that toxic top performer because they negatively impact the rest of your team and negatively impact their billings. Mm. There's huge costs when you actually break it down and go, great, that person's billing a million dollars. What is the rest of the team doing? How many people have we lost as a result of this person? What's the culture like? Do people enjoy working here? As a result of us letting that person's behaviour slide, have we then, as a result, had to let other people's crappy behaviour slide and they're not top performers? How much money are you actually losing as a business by keeping this one top performer? Yeah. A huge amount when you break it down. Yeah, because it's five people billing 200k, which obviously, you know, from like a cost-profit perspective, but, you know, how much does it cost you to rehire in your Mm. team if you're losing people because of that person? How many desks have been started and then not got Mm. up to speed because people have left? Mm. And I think it's, you know, as an agency, as a leader, you have to align performance. The performance has to be measured by both behaviours and competencies. Mm. And if you, as an agency, only have performance measures in place that are um, numbers driven, Mm. financially driven, then you are potentially at risk of this stuff Mm. because you can't not promote someone based Mm. on their behavior and you know when I work with organizations now on looking at kind of career pathways and setting up their career pathway programs something that we're you know really you know hot on something that is really important is that 
it's not, we're not just measuring people on their skills, mm. we're measuring them on their behaviours and or their values mm. yeah. and what they're actually contributing to an organisation, how aligned they are with mm. culture. You don't get promoted, you shouldn't get promoted yeah. if those things aren't in yeah. place. And so you just don't allow it to yeah. develop from the get-go because the expectations are all mm. transparently laid out yeah. as in this is what we would love to see you billing mm. to move into a principal role. Yeah. But alongside that, these are the behaviours that we expect from you mm. and we expect these values to be cultivated and we will hold you back if we don't yeah. see that. Is that the biggest, before we go into any resolutions or tips on how to manage this person, um, I think that is a huge problem. It's where it starts. It's not values and behaviours driven. It's performance driven, purely performance driven. That does drive Metrics. the wrong behaviours. Yeah. And people learn internally. They go, cool, that person can get away with whatever they want. You can do whatever they can you want. be an absolute F word. As long as they're billing, they're totally This is our fine. podcast. You can say fuck wit. I know. I don't know why. I, I don't know. You swear like a trooper in our training session. I think so. it's because I did another podcast and I wouldn't swear <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I'm like, F wit. Say fuck. <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> But it it is. It's a challenge for an agency that hasn't typically been focused on behaviours and values and driving that through the team because it takes time. That thing does not happen overnight. There's no conversation that you can have with anyone overnight to change the values and behaviours of a business. That's something that is deeply entrenched and something that absolutely has to come from the top and needs to be lived and breathed. Um... Yeah, it's tough then to manage people on behaviours if you as an organisation as a whole don't understand what good looks like behaviour-wise. Yeah, and if you don't have your values in place. Mm. And I think you do have to make a stand for the good of your wider team Mm. and you have to be prepared to lose a high performer with the view of Mm. someone will replace them and it will be someone Mm. more aligned. You know what I liken it to? Just thought about this. This is very similar to a TOB negotiation. Yeah, you have to be prepared to walk away. Yeah, you have to be prepared to walk away. And the minute the other person on the other end knows that you're willing to walk away, they typically then come closer to you. But if you're going into TOB negotiation and in your head you're like, I'll just accept whatever because I'm desperate for this win... Similar to your employee who may be toxic but high performer, if you're going into those conversations going, please don't leave, please don't leave, they will mow it and they will get worse and worse. And my tips around that, and I've been in this situation before a couple of times in businesses prior to my own, um, whereby you ultimately know if someone is salvageable Mm. Sounds really brutal, but someone's been been let to run the roast for 10 years and they are just incredibly toxic, hugely impacting the rest of your team and your ability to grow your business. It's probably time to sort of manage them out. And one of the things that you, as a business owner or a leader, may be saying, they're going, we literally cannot afford for a million dollars a year to go out the door. And in that scenario, I'd be slowly trying to introduce and mitigate your risks as a business on that desk. Mm -hmm. And it's not going to happen overnight. You can't just completely take someone's clients from them. They will end up walking. So it's slowly introducing other things, i.e. introducing a support person to that person. 
might be seen as a really nice thing to do, but there's then you're lessening your exposure. And ideally what you want is if those clients that that toxic performer is billing with, if their only contact is with that person, you're completely fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, they're leaving with yeah. that person. And the minute you start introducing cross-selling, for example, is a really good one. You don't necessarily need to sort of take those clients away from that person or grow that team to sort of get exposure. But it's, okay, cool. We've met the market as a business. Your 20 top clients have got other divisions across accounting, finance, blah, blah, blah. We've never tapped into those. We're targeting you to try and help the business as a whole. We want you to introduce your clients to X, Y, Z and not sort of, do you know what I mean? Because then there's more exposure across the business to those clients that you can actually retain them and take the power away because ultimately when that toxic top performer type scenario happens, there's an imbalance of power and the toxic top performer knows it. And so the you need to start taking the power away from them. And you have to just mitigate the risk of that person leaving and taking those clients with them because that is the reality you know and and I would say that's just a tip across the board as a leader like are you across the accounts in your Mm. business enough that you could retain those relationships when your recruiters leave and that's a whole nother conversation that we could touch on um one thing I okay last thing I wanted to say on this is if you're thinking like well how do I you know we do have this kind of established culture in our business and how do we kind of reset on this? I think a really nice thing to do in your own team is what we call like developing a, a team charter where essentially we just go, guys, we can have a bit of a reset on values and behaviors, but I really want your opinions on what we want to celebrate in the team and what we want to eradicate from the team. So we're going to run it workshop style mm. session and we're just yeah. going to have a round table and we're going to sit around and we're going to draw up a list of values and behaviors that as a team, we all value and high in high, mm. high, hold in high regard. And then we're also going to draw up some behaviors that we will call each other out mm. on if we see them. And as a team, it becomes the responsibility and the accountability of the team to uphold the standards, mm. as opposed to you just coming in being like, this is now what I expect yeah. from you guys behavior wise. 100%. That's such a great idea. If that's where your business is at and you need a bit of a reset and a calibration, yeah. 100% start there because what will come out in those conversations will be things that you had no idea about mm. as problems. Yeah. And also the other thing that you mentioned is just as a wider business, I think that's such a worthwhile exercise and maybe we do an episode on it, which is assessing where your accounts are at as a business. Mm-hmm. How many recruiters are in touch with each one of your clients? If it's just one recruiter per one client, you're usually at risk of losing that client if that recruiter goes. And I would be doing that yearly in terms of print off your client list, how how much have you billed, no doubt you're doing that as a business anyway. But then go down one by one and go, cool, Telstra, who's actually working on that account? Mm -hmm. What touch points do we have? If it's just Laura, that's a huge target now for us. To actually land and expand. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'd recommend it. It's on landing and expanding. But just mitigating your risks as a business of losing key accounts. Because we know as business owners how hard it is to win accounts. Mm-hmm. And we can't just then rest on our laurels and go, yeah, Laura's got that. Yeah. Well, Laura's got it right now, but we don't know when, when she leaves. in a year, two mm-hmm. years. Um, I'd love that you were like, we could do an episode on this, but you basically just did it. <laughs> But I think it is a really good, but I think doing an annual, Mm. I think 
yeah, in summary, like doing an annual plan on that mm. of just going, okay, traffic light system, reds mm. are high risk, ambers, we need to do a little bit more work, green, we've got a few people across that account, I've got a good relationship with them, the recruiter, like, I think you actually need to sit down and do that as a leader and evaluate where mm. you're potentially at risk yeah. of, of losing accounts in the future. I'd be exercise. so surprised if any business owner or leader in this, listening to this, has not had a scenario whereby they've had someone leave and then they've tried to contact those accounts and yeah. try and keep them. The clients don't want to know at that stage because they loved Laura, but Laura's left now and who the fuck are you? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, then yeah. It's yeah. starting from scratch. Which is why, like, um, restraint clauses are just bullshit because bullshit. it's so, you know, it's so obvious at that point, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to claw back, like, yeah. oh, you used to work with this consultant, they're not in the business anymore, we'd love yeah. to work with you. Well, this consultant's gone somewhere else. Yeah. Your restraint clause was anti-competitive. It will never stand up in cause. You send that your little client legal already has got other recruiters trying to chase their work. They've yeah. already built some relationships with other recruiters that have been knocking their door down. And you're coming in fresh, fresh-eyed yeah. going, hey, it's me. Yeah. So you're starting from scratch. You're not going to retain that business. So why was this not sort of thought about and mitigated in the start? Yeah. All right. Big Oof. subjects covered this yeah. week. Um, yeah, happy to have chats with anyone around mm. around this sort of stuff if you're facing yeah. those kind of issues culturally in your business. Mm. Thank you. And for if you me. have any ideas of things that you'd like us covering to cover, um, yeah. God, I can't even talk. <laughs> if you have any ideas of uh, things that you would like Laura and I to cover or discuss, um, please drop us a line and connect with us on LinkedIn. Yeah. See you next Bye. week. Well, I liked that one. Yeah, me too. I really liked that one.